You're listening to Easier, a podcast all about making your life easier. This is episode number 13. I'm Anthony Wagner, and my passion is finding the best, simplest, and yes, easiest ways of getting things done. Each Wednesday, I'll bring you my favorite tips, tricks, and hacks for living a simpler life. This week, it's all about back to school. I bet the kids in your area are either going back to school this week or they're heading back next week. Either way, everything right now seems to be focused on back to school. So this week, I'm giving you my top tips as a school administrator. I currently work for a school. My top tips for sending kids back to school. Or if you're a kid, you could probably take some stuff away from this as well. The first thing up this week is I have a special giveaway to talk about, and in honor of back to school, I'm giving away some of my favorite things, office supplies. We'll get to that up first. After that, I'm going to cover my top tricks for going back to school. This includes updating contact information with the school, the important documents you should get and keep copies of, the supply list that you should review, and I have a special YouTube clip to play for you, and a couple of hacks about adding dates to your calendar, developing a relationship with the school staff, and a few things to remember. I know it seems like a lot. This is going to be a little bit of a longer episode, but trust me, you will love it. Let's get started. Okay, as I mentioned just a second ago, I have a very special giveaway this episode. I haven't done one before, but I decided it is time. I absolutely love both Statler and Pilot G2 pens, as I've already talked about twice on this podcast, and so I figured it would be time to give a set of those away. And the way that you can do that is by leaving me a review on iTunes. iTunes reviews are the lifeblood for podcasts. They help us to spread and grow and grow our audience. They mean a great deal to the hosts to to get that feedback, both positive feedback and constructive negative feedback. So in order to win a set of either Pilot G2 pens or Stadler pens, and I will let you decide which kind you would like, You need to leave me a review on iTunes by September 5th, 2018. So that's a week from the date of the airing of this podcast. And if you do that, I will, or after you do that, I will go through all the reviews that are on there, both positive and negative. It doesn't matter what kind of review you leave me. I will go through those, pull out all of the usernames and select a couple at random. And those folks who have left a review and were selected at random, I will announce in two weeks' time, that'll be on the September 12th episode, because I release, again, every Wednesday. On that September 12th episode, I will announce the winners, and I will ask you to get in contact with me, and we will go from there. I will definitely send you a set of those pens. Make sure that you leave that review on iTunes. It has to be iTunes by September 5th. That's a week from the date of the airing of this episode. And never fear, if you listen to this episode after that deadline has passed, I would still greatly appreciate any review that you could leave. Like I said a minute ago, they are the lifeblood of podcasts growing and spreading. So if you love this podcast, or even if you don't, but if you love this podcast, reviews help no matter what. 
If you do want to leave a review, you can head over to easiercast.com slash 13. I will have a link right there that'll take you to it so you don't have to figure out where to go. Or if you're on an iOS device, you can just go into the podcast app and find this podcast. Maybe you've already subscribed and that's where you can leave the review. So either way you want to do it is fine with me. Just make sure you get it done by September 5th and you will be included in that giveaway. All right, on to the main idea for this week, and it's all about what to do for back to school. If you've got kids, if you know kids, if you are a kid, any of those things, back to school is going to be playing a big part in your life right now. Let's talk about the top tips that I have. Like I said, if you, you might know from before, I've mentioned it a few times, I just mentioned it a minute ago, I'm an administrator for a school district in Detroit. I work for a public school, so I have kind of a an up-close, first-hand view of what to do from the school's perspective. So I thought I would share some of the things that came to my mind. Like I said, this is going to be a little bit of a longer episode because I have a lot I can talk about. I'm already planning to talk about quite a lot, and I'm sure that after I've recorded and finished this episode, I'm going to go, oh man, I wish I had included that because there's so much. So just expect that this is going to be a little bit longer of an episode because I have lots to tell you about. The first thing that I want to encourage every parent to do that's listening to this podcast is to make sure that your contact information is up to date with your school. It is so important that your address and your phone number are correct. So if you've moved, if you've changed phones for any reason, make sure that information is correct with the school. If it's not, if you know it, stop right now, pause this episode and either make yourself a note or contact your school right now to update that information. Working in the office for a school, I don't directly work with this type of information, but I know for my coworkers, actually sometimes I do when I have to contact parents, having out-of-date information is both frustrating and it can even be dangerous. So if there's a situation in which your child injures themselves or has some kind of an allergic reaction, which we have had happen for sure, if either of those things happen or anything negative happens and we can't reach you quickly, it can pose a big problem. We've had a situation where we had to take a student to the hospital because he was having an allergic reaction in his arm and we couldn't could not reach a parent. It was it was really difficult. And so we had to try to convince the hospital to treat him. It was a mess. So make sure that that phone number is correct. Also make sure your address is correct because any communications that schools send home, typically the important ones still come via mail. We're talking report cards. We're talking updated flyers for events that are coming. Anything that's important, they come usually via mail. I'm sure that there are other avenues. And so I would say make sure your email address is correct too. But mail is typically the way that schools still send out the most important stuff. So make sure both of those are accurate with your school. The next thing is you're going to get a lot of documents as you enroll a child at a new school or as a new school year begins. And you should have one place to keep all of those documents because what you'll find is that the minute you need them, if you haven't kept them organized, that's the minute that you won't be able to find them. And you'll be scrambling, looking to the school to grab that stuff for you and to send it, or you'll have to make time to go in. That's never a good time. So my recommendation is to get a binder or a folder and keep it for that year's school documents. And these school documents can include things like the code of conduct. If you're in a situation where your child has a disciplinary problem, you're going to want a copy of that code of conduct so that you can verify everything that's going on. 
And that's probably not the best time to ask the school for a copy when there's a heated disciplinary situation going on. So make sure that you get a copy and keep a copy of the school's code of conduct. The next thing, I actually did this when I was in high school, and I know I'm going to reveal a little bit of my inner type A and inner dork, but... I was going to a high school with which I was totally unfamiliar. I went when I was growing up in Dearborn, Michigan. That's where I grew up. I went to schools near my house on the east side of Dearborn. But then for high school, I actually got into a school of choice program and went to the high school on the west side of Dearborn. And I knew nothing about that school. I'd never been there. I I knew nothing. So I was walking in as a freshman by myself, blind into a brand new school. And I was really intimidated. But I allowed the type A part of my personality to take over, and I grabbed a copy of the school map. And I'm very glad that I did, because I was able to navigate the halls as a freshman in a brand new school where I knew nobody without looking like a freshman in a brand new school who knew nobody. You know, I wasn't kind of lost, and it was a big school, and I had to figure it out. So I would say get and keep a copy of the school map, both as a parent and as a student, and study that map a little bit before you go in. So you don't have to like be standing there referencing the map and making yourself look like a tourist, but having it and having that knowledge in your head so you can get around without being late and having to deal with any unnecessary embarrassment when you're already dealing with your first day of school. So that's the second thing to keep on hand, the school map. The third thing I would recommend that you keep, of course, is a copy of the class schedule. And again, this is both for the parent and for the student. Keep a copy of that class schedule because as a parent, you never know when you're going to need it. You're going to want a copy of your kid's class schedule, both to confirm what classes that child is supposed to be in and to confirm if there's ever a situation where that student might feel the need to fabricate anything. You know, if they got into a troubled situation with their grades or a teacher or something, you have a copy of the schedule so you can verify what that student is telling you. So keep a copy of that on hand. The next two things, I'm actually going to announce them, but then I'm going to go into a little bit longer of a discussion about them. They are the school calendar and your school supply list. And I have some tips for both. The first thing, the school calendar, you're going to get, at least in the state of Michigan, I'm sure that this is the case probably in every state in the country in the United States, but at least in my state, our Department of Education in the state of Michigan requires schools to submit a school calendar ahead of the beginning of school. It's a compliance issue. We actually have to submit it well in advance and publicize it so parents can have it and know when things are going to happen. And things that are included on that calendar are first and last days of school, when breaks are going to be, when holidays, the school is closed, when semesters begin and end, when parent-teacher conferences are, all of those things. Those are critical dates for being in school. You need to know them. So in addition to getting that calendar and keeping a copy on hand at all times so you know where it is, my recommendation here, and this is a life hack, is to take all of those dates when you first get the calendar, sit down and transfer them into whatever calendar tool you use, whether that's a paper planner or like a Filofax. I'm kind of referencing Gretchen Rubin's love for Filofax here from the Happier podcast. But anyway, or if it's a digital calendar, I use Google Calendar. Whatever tool works for you, take all of those dates and spend the half hour to move them in. This way, you don't have to constantly refer to that, and it will be in the front of your mind. If you get the calendar and put those dates on whatever tool you use to manage your day-to-day, you will be much more likely to avoid a time conflict. 
So that's a life hack and also a document to keep the school calendar and transfer all of those dates to your task or date planner tool. The last document I would say you should keep, and maybe you don't need to keep this long term, maybe you do it, it could be a good reference, but to look at if you're provided a school supply list, to look at that and make sure that you've got all the supplies. And I know some parents scoff at having to buy school supplies, especially if they're to be used by the teacher for the classroom, but I have my own individual, which really isn't my own individual opinion about how I feel about parents who don't think that they need to purchase anything for their kids' classrooms, especially in K-8 through classrooms, maybe even more so K-5, through but in general, when you get that school supply list, buy the stuff on it. I'm going to play a clip. You might have seen this video on YouTube circulating around. It's of a mother shopping in Target who is ranting a little bit about parents who don't want to support their kids' classrooms and don't want to buy the supplies that are there. So I'm going to play, you know, maybe 60 seconds of that video because I think both A, I completely agree with what she's saying and B, it's it's totally hilarious. So here's that clip. It's back to school time and I'm about to go pick up all the stuff for my kids. But here's the thing. I've been noticing lately, when people are doing their back to school shopping, everybody's complaining. And my thing is, listen, it is the end of August. I will give you anything to take my kids. I'll get you a yellow binder, I'll get you a red binder. I will tie dye some sh You take these kids out of my house, I'll get you whatever you want. I'm telling you right now, if there was a teacher said, you know what, I need some Tide, I'm gonna get you some Tide. You can put whatever you want on that list. All you people saying, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna pick up any Kleenex for the class. Oh, you can't, you can't give that teacher a Kleenex. These teachers have been making plans to teach your kids and you're all complaining about some pencil, some pencils? Are you kidding me? Do you know how much I would pay them just to get my kids out of my face? So I don't know about you, but that woman, that mother is my favorite person in the world. And if you ever want to buy me a bunch of supplies, I'm not even a teacher anymore. I was. I was a middle school teacher for both English and math. If you ever want to buy me any of those supplies, I'd be happy to take them. And I'm sure any teacher would appreciate those things too. So buy the things on the kids' school supply list. I would say that the most critical things, the most critical things that you should make sure your kid goes to school with every single day, something to write with and something to write on, you would be absolutely amazed how many kids come to school without pencil or pen, without notebook or paper of some kind. They don't come to school with it. Make sure your kid comes to school with a pen or a pencil and a notebook or a piece of paper. Don't let them leave the house without it. And make sure you get all the other stuff on that school supply list. Especially for K-5, through the stuff that the teacher asks for isn't just for fun. It's, it's because it's part of the lesson or the operation of that classroom that they're requesting those supplies. So I understand it might be a little expensive at back-to-school time, but like the mother in the video I just played says, they're taking your kids off your hands for eight hours a day. If you were to pay a babysitter or a nanny or a daycare for eight hours a day, which you might have already had to do, it's very expensive, and I'm sure a lot less expensive than those pencils the teacher asked you to buy. I'm going to climb down off my high horse now, and we're going to move on to the last couple of items on my list. And these are more kind of relationship building recommendations. And I wanted to kind of give you a perspective from a school staff member about developing a relationship 
between yourself and the the staff of the school. And it's, it's in a couple of different areas. The first is the obvious one. Develop a relationship with your kids, teacher, or teachers. I know that that sounds simplistic, but it will grease the wheels if you ever run into an issue and you never know. You could have the most well-behaved kid and that you could still run into academic issues. You could still run into disciplinary issues. You could run into a situation where your kid is being bullied and having that established relationship, even if it's just, I came to parent-teacher conferences and I shook my kid's teacher's hands. If they know your face, it's going to make it a lot more easy to deal with issues as they arise throughout the school year. You don't have to establish a relationship in a a heightened emotional time. That is the worst time to establish a relationship. So my recommendation is meet your kids' teachers. In high school and maybe even in middle school where kids are changing classes throughout the day, that's a little more difficult. If your school is more digitally friendly, tech-friendly, Send your kids' teachers an email and just say, hey, this is who I am. Any way I can support you, I will. I just wanted you to know that I'm here and I'm willing to support what goes on in the classroom. And this brings me to my next point. It is amazing to me how many parents actively undermine the teachers in the classrooms. Now, I'm not saying teachers are infallible. I'm not saying that they are perfect beings who never make mistakes. There are certainly occasions when teachers make a mistake in the way that they're managing their classroom or disciplining those students, and the teacher has to be checked. But as a parent, unless there's an egregious situation like that, and in that case, you should always take it to whoever the teacher supervisor is. It's usually a principal. But in other cases, support the teacher. If you undermine that teacher, it tells that student that they can get away with things in that classroom and it's going to create a management problem for the teacher. What do I mean by that? So the teacher has to manage 20 to 30 kids in one room, all with different backgrounds, different personalities, and they have to manage every single one of those kids in order to instruct the students effectively, right? If there's kids screwing around, it takes instruction away from the other students who are trying to learn. And no student has the right to rob another student of an education. So if you as a parent support the teacher, the teacher makes a decision and the kid knows that if if I have to call mom or if if I have to call dad, if I have to call whatever parent or guardian, I'm going to have hell to pay when I get home it's going to create a situation where the student will not misbehave. If, on the other hand, the student knows, hey, I've got no consequences, I can get away with whatever, mom, dad, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whomever, isn't going to do anything, then that kid has no disincentive when they get into the classroom to behave, at least not one from a disciplinary perspective. Now, some kids might just do it, but others might not, and they could be causing a problem for all the other kids in that class. Support your teachers. Build a relationship with them and support them in their decisions, unless they're obviously wrong. And in those cases, you'll need to take steps to correct that. Another group that I would say that you need to develop a relationship with is the office staff. And I'm not just talking the principal. I'm talking the counselor and the administrative or executive assistants or receptionist or whatever their titles are. The folks that answer the phone when you call. If you can call and say, Hey, Rhonda, how you doing? And they recognize your voice. You're doing a good job. If you have a relationship with those people, they will be inclined to support you and getting you the things that you want. For instance, I take calls from parents because I work directly for our district's leader. And sometimes the parents that call 
go off on me, even though I've never spoken to them before. And as part of my job, of course, I do what I'm supposed to do if they're treating me poorly. But if they are treating me poorly, it gives me a big disincentive from wanting to go the extra mile for them. I'll help them to the line where I'm supposed to. But if you're treating me well, if you're really patient and calm and understanding and you want to work with me, I'll bend over backwards to make sure that this works for you. You will benefit yourself greatly by building that type of relationship with your office staff. Like I said, this includes the principal, this includes the counselor, but really I'm talking about the front line. You dial the phone and that person picks up the phone. Develop a relationship with that person because they are the gatekeeper to everything else from the outside world. And they actually say this about people when you're going for an interview, you get to the whatever office it is and you're interacting with a receptionist or a secretary, whoever's at the front of the the business when you walk in, that person can make or break your interview afterward because they can report to the the interviewer, hey, I liked this person. This person was great. You should hire him. And that changes the nature of that interview. It changes it possibly for the better if they give you a good review and maybe you were on the edge. They can push you over to getting that job. It's the same thing in a school where you might be wanting A and that staff member can decide, well, I can reroute you to another person and make this take longer or I can just go do it for you right now. And both are appropriate responses, but one is certainly better for you. So another kind of soapbox I'm on, but if you develop a relationship with that school staff up front, your long-term benefits will be greatly increased. Trust me, the parents that our school staff, we can name them, the parents that we love, they're like the heroes because we get along so well and we support each other, reciprocal support for each other. So I know it was another soapbox, but there you have it. Develop a relationship with the office staff and with your students' teachers. The last thing I will say, and this is a big reminder to parents, is that the school staff, I would say 99% of the time, there's probably that 1% that that doesn't want to be, and I'm making up this statistic, but just from my experience, the school staff, especially the teachers, are there because they want to be there. Again, I'm going to say that one more time. School staff, especially the teachers, are there because they want to be there. They're not there out of some, they were forced into teaching. And like I said, maybe there was that one odd teacher whose parents were really strict and made them go into that kind of thing. On the whole, people do not go to college for four, if not more years to earn a bachelor's degree in education, then potentially go back to college to earn a master's degree in education of some, you know, some type of degree in education. Usually if I'm talking about teachers, it's some kind of instructional degree. They don't do that, spend all that time, spend all that money on a profession which pays very little, relatively. Teachers do not get paid very well to have to go and support and manage 30 plus kids an hour, maybe if you're high school. They don't do all of that unless they really want to. They love to teach. They want to be there. And if you keep that in the front of your mind when you're working with them, just know that their intentions are good. They're not there to make mistakes. They're not there to screw with your kid. They're not there to screw with you. They're not there to make your life more difficult. Frankly, they're there to make your life less difficult. They're there to give your kid the education that that they deserve. So 
if you remember that, I think that setting that intention, keeping that in your mind really makes a difference when you're interacting with the school staff in a situation where it might be a little more tense. You know, if there's a disciplinary situation or something like that, always remember that the staff is there because they want to be there and they want to see your child succeed. And there may be the occasional bad apple. I'm not saying that educators are perfect, but in general, cut them some slack. They're really trying to do good by you and by your kids. And that's it for episode number 13 of Easier. Remember, develop a relationship with your school staff. Then, remember that when you're going back to school, to keep a set of all of those documents in a binder and have them on hand in case you ever do need them. And just as a recap, those documents include the code of conduct, the school map, your kid's class schedule, the school calendar, and a school supply list. All of those should be in a binder ready to go whenever you need them. Also remember to copy all of the important dates off of your school's calendar into whatever calendar or task management tool you use. And finally, don't forget about my giveaway this week. Remember that I'm giving away a free set of Stadler or Pilot G2 pens, your choice, if you head over to my iTunes account for the podcast and leave me a review. And I will select randomly from anyone who does that before September 5th, anyone who submits a review by then, I will take all those usernames, select one or maybe a couple at random, and I will announce a winner on September 12th. I'm really excited. This is my first giveaway, and I hope you all enjoy it. And I hope you all enjoy a little bit of relief because the kids are going back to school. Do you have any tips, tricks, or hacks for making life easier? Maybe making back to school easier? If you do, email me at podcast at easiercast.com or by leaving a comment at easiercast.com slash 13. You can scroll all the way down to the bottom of that page. Drop me a comment there. If I love your idea, I'll be sure to feature it in a future episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.